but welcome to the 12th episode, I believe, of, uh, what should we call this podcast? Estranged. It's quite late. <laughs> Estranged. Um, uh, flagging. Uh, today we are going to talk about the film that Adrian suggested. Um, I watched it when I was very jet-lagged and uh, I was kind of, it's so powerful, I was kind of like very, very tired and then it has this like real, this scene at the end which we'll talk about that's so powerful, I was kind of like shook from my stupor and awoke it. Do you, do you feel like, do, does, when you watch a movie when you're yeah. really tired, yeah. is it, does it get on, does it take on this like sort of surreal quality to it for you? It really does and also I find like I kind of miss certain narrative elements and I'm like, what's happening here you know uh yeah it's uh it's kind of crazy but um yeah no it's uh yeah it's a it's a, it's a paul schrader uh film he wrote it and then he directed it and uh if you don't know who he is he also did like the screenplay for like taxi driver raging bull he's worked a lot with uh, scorsese but he's also mm-hmm. done uh, light sleeper um hardcore so he yeah, he's he's a pretty he's an interesting guy mm-hmm. he also did this horrible movie that i that uh it's called uh the canyons with Lindsay lohan on it and it was that, that brett easton ellis wrote yeah exactly yeah. so he's he's kind of hit and miss but when yeah. he's good he's like incredible yeah no i did hear that the canyons was an utter utter disaster it was like really low budget it's like three hundred thousand dollars or something, but and apparently the yeah, shoot no, was a complete disaster. Um, but it has that yeah, guy with like he, James Dean, the porn guy or something in it. Yeah, the, the, right? porn, the porn star. The porn but star. he's like, and it also has this like digital look to it that I I just mm. don't I just can't mm. can't get accustomed to it. No, do you like, know what? Uh, yeah. Does it does it does it happen to you? Do you think that Avatar has that look? Just kind of like this like smooth sort of like cold and uh, like it's too clear. It doesn't have like something that film adds to it. Now I think that they've found like a nice balance because you mm-hmm. can shoot on digital and it looks mm-hmm. pretty nice. Mm-hmm. But there's some I don't know if it's frame rate or what, but like it looks just the canyons looks like that. It's just too clean and it yeah, looks like it's that. shot in like a one of those first digital cameras. And it's interesting because like yeah, obviously the way a film is shot, and sometimes you know film or like artificial grain on fil- on digital can be really annoying. Um, but obviously like grain in film adds a kind of texture to it. I know that like for The Revenant, they chose to just shoot in digital to make it like really crisp in a way that was kind of like made the most of like the depth of field and like the crazy exactly. landscapes and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, I don't know, there is sometimes like, you know, um, Michael Mann's Miami Vice and they like shoot it yeah, to that's make exactly it look what I'm shit. Yeah, I know. Collateral, I just yeah, and collateral as well. Like but collateral just looks like raw footage shot at high frame rate. It's like, and obviously there's like an yeah. artistic choice, but it's annoying. <laughs> yeah. It might be. It might be just the the color, but yeah, I think I yeah. I agree with you. It just looks. Yeah, definitely like distance. But it was was know. like the canyons shot to to like, I guess sometimes like as well people like add these. I'm not saying that Michael Mann. I'd love for Michael Mann movies, but that oh, they add like. An extra aesthetic choice to like compensate for something. I was like, we've got something else going on here, you know. Well, I heard, yeah, yeah I heard this. Um, I heard this interview with uh, P.T. Anderson, and he was talking yeah. about Boogie Nights. That when he, mm-hmm. it was like his second movie. He was mm-hmm. like very ambitious about how it was going to be executed and like movie theaters and all that. Mm-hmm. And that he was really worried. You know, he talks about like he he broke a contract with Fuji, and that he went mm-hmm. with Kodak, and that. He was really worried because he was with his girlfriend and went to see the movie at a, at a theater when it was playing mm-hmm. and that he just couldn't stand it because it was just like it it sounded horrible. It was like in mono. Really? Uh, oh. the, the projection just wasn't right. Oh. And but that he came to this realization was like, well, actually, I should be able to see this movie and just be sort of like wrapped up in the story. Yeah. And not be like missing all all of these like you know technical things on it. Yeah. Like the story should be able to carry me through the movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if it exactly. looks like shit and it sounds like shit. Like no, absolutely. Like the, and, you uh, can. That's that's really really true. And it's funny because you can sometimes watch like low budget crap, technical, but as long like literally the story is like the vast majority, and you just like yeah. the suspension of disbelief or whatever. Obviously things can like distract yeah. you, but yeah, no. This is and also like. The thing is that, so there's, I always have this argument with people, or we like talk about it, where you don't need to um, have certain technical specifications. 
But sometimes like mm-hmm. we have become accustomed to certain things. So there's a kind of like unconscious language to it that when it's disturbed, it is a bit disturbing. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. But like, so things like the, the iPhone thing. But in general, you know, as long as the script is really good, like, you know. You could even just listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, exactly, and exactly. And like, yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, they, they, and sometimes like if you you see really good directors get a bad script and it's like well, it's nothing. No matter how amazing it looks, it's not going to save it. But the thing is, that's the thing. It's like you can ruin a good a good script, but like you know, so a friend um, kind of is really interested in shooting on iPhone, and I can see like why it was done with Tangerine. It was like a new thing, and it kind of like speaks to the aesthetic of the entire story itself. But like that Soderbergh Soderbergh movie, unsane, yeah, unsane, yeah. But it does, in my opinion, look like an iPhone. It does, yeah. It does, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not. Good. But like, I mean, I can see also like that. There's the now. I haven't seen it, but like the narrative of that film kind of suits it. But his latest one as well. This what my friends are really like. No, no, no. It doesn't. You can't tell the difference. And I, I'm like, I really think you can. But, yeah. <laughs> Use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of like limited sort yeah. of mediums yeah. or formats. Um, uh-huh. Uh, uh, first Reformed is shot I don't know if it was shot this way but it's yeah. it's letterbox it's yeah, like yeah. A, it's a square it's, like a square, yeah. it's not yeah. widescreen yeah wasn't um, Grand Budapest Hotel was also like that oh right yeah 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 yeah, um, or yeah I think that's four to four beginning. four to three I think uh, yeah. four two three four by three why was it four to three it's rich um, but yeah no that's more like old te- old televisions but um, did you see Mummy it's a Quebecois film, Xavier Dolan, amazing film. But it's, he oh, uses uh, like... wait. Who did it? Xavier Dolan. Oh, no, I was thinking of yeah. Goodnight Mommy. That, no, it's no. French, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Mommy came out and like, it was, it won like, I think, the Jury Award at Cannes in 2014. It's, it, it is excellent. And it mm. uses the kind of like square format and then it expands out to like widescreen and then goes yeah, back. That's yeah, that's like, Grand yeah. Tell us that, yeah. Yeah. Do you think um, that maybe Wes Anderson is like, do you, do you like him or do you think he's just kind of like borrows from, you know, more, what would I say? Like just more bold artists? No, I do. I do like, I do like his films. I think he actually, his scripts are really good, but I mean, there's the whole like whimsy thing, you know, and I quite like real stuff. I, but I do really do like. Know... Go ahead, yeah. No, you go. You go. No, I was just gonna say that I, I haven't liked too much like his newest stuff. Yeah. Um, I really like the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, I really. But like I think Rushmore. after that, Rushmore's good. And then yeah. also of the new ones, I think the only one that I've liked is uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Do you know what but... Moonrise Kingdom is like to me? Exactly what a Beach Boys song is like. Very sad <laughs> and also lovely at the same time. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I really yeah. liked it. It's like really melancholic. It's yeah, really but nice, Darjeeling yeah. Limited and um, mm. was it like a Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah, was a lot, yeah, Grand Budapest. They're kind of funny, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I think that there's something about mm-hmm. like the Royal Tenenbaums. Maybe it's the the narration voice from yeah, 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 Baldwin. Is it it's, uh, Alec Baldwin? I think. Is it? I knew it's, it's like great voice. This is um, I love. It's almost like he's the exception to the rule. Like he can get away with it. <laughs> like, you know, the kind of like stylized acting and stuff. But I, yeah. I know I do enjoy. I do enjoy his work. Yeah. Do you um, like voiceovers? Because first reformed has a lot of yeah, uh, I do. narration. So like. people, there's this whole like cliche thing in screenwriting, which is like voiceovers are a crutch and it shows that the script is weak because, <laughs> you know, it's papering over. But I actually think that's total bullshit. It's like, you know, it's like as soon as you become really, you have to go through the learning a technique or a skill in order to be able to subvert it and then to use it in different ways. And to like, you know, I mean... Um, my God, I can't think. Christopher Nolan, you know, his mm-hmm. kind of one of his trademarks is just completely flipping the narrative form, but it's actually structurally completely perfect. You know, it works perfectly, but he just is so good that he's able to like manipulate temporality and stuff. And so do you like voiceover, him? I feel, is like that. Like, yeah, if you're using it to cover over the fact that the script isn't actually showing what's properly happening, but if it's used, oh, yeah. you know, in an interesting way, so if it's used mm-hmm. as a crush because things are wrong, then yeah. But like, I, I think voiceover is great. I use voiceover all the time. <laughs> if it's used well, it's Do good. you like, 
do you like Nolan? What do you think about him? Um, yeah, I mean, I do, I do, and I don't. <laughs> like Todd um, said, this thing that I completely agreed with. He was yeah. like, "Here's the test for if you're a true Nolan fan." Okay, okay. So he's like, "If if you like Memento, you're like an okay fan. If mm-hmm. you like The Dark Knight, uh, you're mm-hmm. you know you don't really know what you're talking about." Mm-hmm. And if you like the prestige, that that's like you know you're you're a true Nolan fan because really? he's, I mean he thinks that that's his best sort of work. Best, and I, yeah, I think I agree with him. I, I yeah. really like the prestige. I saw yeah. it like five times when it came out in theater. Really? Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I I don't know. I really didn't like Interstellar. Um, yeah. I thought it was quite. You like the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. Yes, it's not really good. <laughs> Um, but you know I I don't know but again opinions of things change and stuff I mean I think he's very 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 skillful and I do like a lot of his films but yeah I'd, uh, I thought that was very convoluted and I don't know a bit yeah. uh, OTT but yeah um, but I, almost well, I think opposite we talked about this that oh yeah sorry go ahead. no no you go you go we're going to be like that, oh, that, 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 that like clip in that um, skit in Portlandia where they go to like the, the, the stop sign and it's like, no, you go, no, 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 you go, no, no, I just don't just... <laughs> No, it's because you know what, like since there's a, like a lag yeah. because of the internet, there's yeah. like, I, I start talking and then I, and then I hear you talking afterwards. Oh, so. Yeah. No, but um, what I was going to say is that, yeah, I think we talked about this, that like some of nolan's best stuff is like uh, when his brother is involved mm-hmm. i think it's pretty mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. yeah his brother's yeah. like a really good um script writer for like west yeah. world yeah and uh, i think he did what, what was that show called uh person of interest that was all right mm. yeah and, uh, he was in he was in that as well interesting no no I, I think i think yeah i think he's a very good script writer in general yeah a bit right. almost uh, opposite it, to uh, to interstellar is first revolved <laughs> yeah yeah all right so anyway um starting with the with the with our thoughts on the film yeah um so one of the things that caught my attention was that it starts with toller priest Mm -hmm. toller um by the way if you watch if, if you're like listening to any of our episodes you should know already that it's like spoiler heavy so if you haven't seen the movie just watch it and Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. And just come back and listen to this but it starts with uh language really and mm-hmm. the deficit of language because he he starts the movie by saying that he's gonna keep a journal yeah where he's gonna write on it for 365 days for the whole mm-hmm. year that he's not gonna use a computer it's handwritten mm-hmm. and uh that he wants and the way he talks about it is just like he wants every inflection every scratched off uh, word if he erased something for it to be able to be seen so he wants he wants language and all of it sort of like you know um, when it takes something back it leaves a trace mm-hmm. and when you make a mistake it's like included into the into the journal yeah and um, I just thought that was really interesting it kind of reminded me of I don't know if you read these books called My Struggle um, by Carl Nosgaard. Like, like I think he's like Norwegian or yeah, no, it is. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, as soon as you say my struggle, I'm like uh, Hitler. No, yeah, it's Nosgaard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and uh, there's there's a part in the first book. I haven't read the uh, mm-hmm. the whole thing. I think I only read the first book, and it was alright. It's kind of self indulgent, but um, he talks about the dead mm-hmm. and how there's like this sort of. Um, there's a sort of impulse of people that they want to immediately hide dead bodies. Mm-hmm. So like if somebody dies, of course, you're not going to leave the body. And that's sort of like custom, even yeah. though death is like an extremely sort of uh, present thing for everybody. And like mm-hmm. we all know about death and everything. But mm-hmm. like when somebody dies immediately, when you want to do what you want to do is just like close the body's eyes. Yeah. And like you want to bury it and hide it away. And what do you think about just sort of like the the subjective sort of um, imbalance that maybe technology has brought to writing, which is to sort of to sort of represent writing as if it was perfect and it hides, you know, you can erase things and yeah. it doesn't have a history to it. I mean, there might be some 
I think I think Photoshop has that where you just like you can have a history of like the things that you, the actions that you've taken and yeah. you can go back to like previous versions. Uh-huh. But really if you're using notes or word or whatever like it does yeah. it's not that detailed and it hides sort of like the dead bodies of language. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean I don't know if I have an opinion or not, but yeah, there's obviously a kind of like a uh not realness, but it, you know, a, a truth to it in the way that, you know, thought works, you know, it's not, a, yeah, when you see a typed text that's completely, yeah, without error, without crossings out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, suppose, how, you know, do like you, a Deridian, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. It's funny, um, I used to do this whole thing with mind maps where I'd like do this massive like five by five meter mind map and like mm-hmm. when I was like working on projects or even like when I used to work from, uh, um, revise for exams and just like write everything out onto it and it's just like the act of writing itself is the work you know just yeah. like volume or whatever yeah I don't know if I have an opinion about that um, but yeah there's certainly a way that like obviously thought is language so is there a greater honesty to being less clean in the way you write or record things and how does that affect well, what you think well i think that uh, so the, it's a very interesting thing in the movie because mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll sort of i'll sort of do like a i'll talk about the beginning and the end yeah. simultaneously but it starts with him doing this journal thing mm-hmm. um and sort of, and I think that the way that he in, in, invites sort of like the mistakes of language, yeah. which are very present in just like the way that we speak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, writing is different. So he makes a, a conscious sort of decision not to use a computer. Yeah. But um, I think that when he does that, he sort of like become, he starts to make a parallel between prayer and the yeah. way that he's writing. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's right. He's like sort of... Um, recording these sort of like imperfect prayers and i think that in some way he's like inviting the real into into his life yeah and uh what happens at the end is that when he finishes writing the journal um he goes back to a fiction that maybe we can talk about it later but yeah he has this openness when he's when he has the journal and when he finishes it he goes back to this sort of like fiction and sort of like deviates from the sort of like existential dread that he's been like dealing with throughout the whole movie yeah yeah yeah. but um yeah well the i so think you, we can talk about so you're basically saying that like the, the, you know, <laughs> hmm? sorry just okay. like talking over each other uh no yeah so you're basically arguing that like you can bring the real into kind of the symbolic order by dint of kind of like expressing it almost in a fit in a kind of linguistic way and that that the way in which he is kind of enacting his thoughts brings the real to life almost yeah well i just i mean i don't know i think that there's something to be said about uh the promise of technology and that it hides certain like blemishes and like imperfections and and you can believe in a sort of like version of yourself or Uh of your language that technology is telling you that you have and um you know it'll be interesting to talk maybe a little bit later about like um the promise of technology that i mean zizek has talked about this Mm -hmm. as well like as in a in a sort of critique of like Ray Kurzweil and Mm -hmm. like the singularity and the the neural link and all of that stuff. But I think that there's something in the movie there that he's talking about, like a reversal of the perfection making of technology and that he has this notebook where, you know, the, you know, like what you were saying, like Derrida, like the the mistakes are included and the contradictions. But I mean, I don't necessarily think that Derrida was like very like insightful there. I think it's kind of obvious. Like Uh that's just the way that language is. Yeah. Yeah. So I was talking about 
the uh, there's a dialogue between the eco terrorist mm -hmm. and the priest, and they both have pretty interesting takes on it. Mm -hmm. Like the eco terrorist is worried that he's gonna bring a child into the world that um, he cannot justify its existence because of sort of like the ecological disaster or threat that the world might end or whatever or not a lot like not continue the conditions in which like humans can live mm -hmm. and i think that the priest has some interesting like very intelligent things to say as well which is just like you know life goes on and uh, we cannot take away life mm -hmm. and uh, we need to sort of embrace or like the chaotic way that life is and like we cannot blame it on ourselves and mm -hmm. uh, you're not responsible whatever uh, it's a little bit more nuanced than that but i don't remember exactly but it's interesting that the there's a real, mm -hmm. and I think that you know Zupanchich does talk about like the, you know the ecological you know threat mm -hmm. you know to be like a real sort of manifestation of the real, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, certainly under capitalism, and, yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that it starts to interrupt sort of like the fiction of the priest's yeah. life, yeah, and you see that actually and i think this is like a brilliant thing that we were talking mm -hmm. about like the the parallel between the sort of like the the the, the possibility of technology to hide yeah. the certain blemishes or like imperfections and actually what happens is that he puts on his desktop the picture the famous picture of the polar yeah. bear that is like super skinny walking through like you know a, a, a half melted glacier and mm -hmm. he has that as his desktop picture mm -hmm. and i think it's almost kind of like a reminder of the real for him yeah. of just like this is actually that's something that's happening and it's like feeding into the way that he thinks mm -hmm. now what i think it's really interesting about that is that he he fully believes it, but he doesn't believe it just because. So I think that I, I forgot who who said this, but it's mm -hmm. just like you have this sort of like fiction included into everyday life in which you can know that there's an ecological disaster mm -hmm. going on. But then you walk out of your house or yeah. whatever and you see the the expanse, you know, of the sky or whatever. It's yeah. just like ah, it can't be so bad. So you just kind of repress it. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that it has to, you have to be duped, according to the movie, you have to be duped in order to sort of like engender this sort of like revolutionary sort of spirit. Okay. And that's exactly what happens. And so he has a series of conversations with the pastor as well, the black pastor, I forget mm -hmm. the name of the actor or the, or the character, but the, the, the corporate sort of like pastor. And it's interesting that there's a... I think the way that it works nicely to look at them the way that Lacan explained the knave and the fool yeah. or the cynic and the yeah. fool and that there's a the the church you know is a is a cynical institution mm -hmm. and the the pastor really represents that yeah and um so he he sees himself as as if he's above or like he understands um uh, scripture in a way that you know it goes beyond sort of like the the drama or the real mm -hmm. and you know it continues sort of like the image you know it's it's a, it's sort of like an ego reading of of uh, of religion yeah whereas whereas the priest toller he's completely duped by it he's yeah. he's he represents the fool he's completely yeah. into the narrative yeah and he goes into reading these like these different verses of like you know the 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 earth is full of the glory of god mm -hmm. and 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 like mm -hmm. the creation is sort of like a reflection of like his being and whatever yeah so he he's like so he keeps on going back to this existential question of like can god ever forgive us yeah for what we've done to his creation and he he's like he gets into a lot of like different uh discussions with the guy and um with the the, the corporate pastor but and it, there's also like a like a big oil, big money mm -hmm. guy that is involved in the church, which is like extremely sort of like American evangelical thing, yeah. like the marriage between those two things. Mm -hmm. And actually, I, I was very frustrated because the way that it, Toller is like very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even th his inner dialogue is just like, you know, I shouldn't speak. Mm -hmm. The most intelligent man never speaks. You know, he talks about that. And, yeah. And uh and you have this guy, the big oil guy, which is complete cynic and uh, obviously like doesn't understand like really what's going on. Mm -hmm. He's completely like under the guise that mm -hmm. he knows better. Yeah. Right? But, um, you know, he just shuts the priest down yeah. like immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it, that's like a very frustrating thing because like you can see sort of like the congruency of being duped. Yeah by it and it makes complete sense yeah. but it you know it he gets completely shut down like immediately it's funny because you're talking actually the way 
talking about like the Toller's structure almost, it's very much like this the the girl and Zizek's talked about her, who is the um girl who from Sweden who's kind of a very well-known now uh, climate change campaigner. And climate change isn't interesting, the fact that they're talking about climate change in this movie, it, you know, climate change is like the, the antagonism of capitalism itself, the real emerging. And um, so she is has Asperger's on the spectrum and so in Lacanian terms is like imbued with the real and so the antagonism is just so there for her. And she's almost like the person who should definitely be the person campaigning for this because she really experiences it in a way that potentially neurotic people don't, who are duped. And yeah, you see her, I saw a clip recently of her giving a speech about climate change. She's like welling up, you know, it's like so, it's such an important issue, obviously, because she experiences it like so in such a real way, she experiences the antagonism. And so almost the fact that the real gradually emerges more and more clearly in Toller's life maybe yeah. suggests that he has a psychotic structure you know um, yeah. um but yeah no it's interesting how but you were talking about like so the idea of the duped and the non-duped so in Lacanian terms like the duped is the neurotic like they're duped by the kind of like fantasy or like fictive narrative that the symbolic order brings mm-hmm. um yeah but and through that, he, I think, transcends it. And, yeah. you know, he starts like, yeah. But it's almost like, because maybe structurally Toller is non-duped, he clings more closely to the literal literal element of the Bible, you know? As in, like, often people who have, like, a psychotic structure will be the fun... Like, so, you know, you're talking about people in fundamental religions, like you experienced growing up, that... A lot of fundamentalists who are fundamentalists don't believe at all, really. And they're fundamentalists because they don't believe. Yeah. But it's like almost the, yeah. the few people, fundamentalists, who are actually fundamentalists are the psychotics. People who have yeah, a so psychotic structure. Yeah. That, yeah, so this is one of the things that I, talk, that I, that I thought about. And it's yeah. like, Todd McGowan talks about conservatives and yeah. fundamentalists as like really believing yeah. and I think that yeah, I you know, it's like Todd versus like Peter that it's like <laughs> I think Peter talks about you know his study of like of a fundamentalist is mm-hmm. like they don't believe and they're cynical yeah and because they don't really you know you could read the bible completely to them and it won't make an effect yeah but this is why I think that like Toller actually was duped and like through that dupeness I think that he becomes sort of like revolutionary or whatever um, well, it's interesting because it's like the difference between like, okay, so this, this person who has a psychotic structure like experiences the real, but if you are a neurotic and you like go through psychoanalysis, you can become aware. So you are like duped by the symbolic order, but you can become aware of the limitations of the symbolic order through psychoanalysis, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's, and I think that's what happened. That's what happens to him. Mm-hmm. And also because maybe... Maybe the way that he was writing, um, the way the way that he was writing and like his monologue, it seems mm-hmm. almost kind of confessional. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe that was sort yeah. of like, yeah, it's like a the... psychoanalytic, yeah. you know, process for him. Yeah, that maybe yeah, yeah. Has some had that some kind of spirit to it. It's true. Do you know, but, like the um, the other thing is like obviously psychoanalysis involves like a dialogue and stuff. But mm-hmm. I sometimes think that like if you just sit with your actual thoughts for like an hour. <laughs> You can have, like, almost the same experience as, like, the cheap version. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the poor man's version. Yeah, yeah the poor man's um, version is, like, an ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The poor man's version. Or just, like, you, like, just, just experience thinking. it. You, like, in some way are like, okay, I know the theory. Let me just, like, non-judgedly listen to my inner monologue. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think, and, and, and I've heard Zizek talk about this. Yeah. Like, w- like, one of the things that can happen is that, like, if you directly believe, yeah. that's a horrible fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's traumatic. Mm-hmm. You don't want to believe what you, you know, what, you're, what you hold close. You just want it sort of like as a nice, you know, like a, like a commodity. Yeah. You want to treat your beliefs as a commodity, yeah. not as something that actually controls and directs your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that really the whole movie is just like a, a story about what happens when you really believe. So... He reads it to the, he reads mm-hmm. every you know verse, and it's like he, he believes it that it's a God's creation, you know, yeah. and like can we ever can we ever be forgiven for like destroying it? Yeah. And so he has this sort of like he believes it, whereas I think the the corporate pastor, yeah, you know, he's cynical. He doesn't he doesn't believe it at all. Yeah, I mean, belief functions in such a weird way, 
Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, Zizek uses the example of the um, atheists who still use the dream catcher because they, they've heard that even it works even if you don't believe in it. You know? um, yeah. But no, I, it's funny because like, I almost think that the belie- you know, the real fundamentalist believer is the psychotic, the person who's a psychotic structure. Yeah, so I'm just trying to like mm-hmm. get my head around the idea that like, because to, to me, yeah, yeah, you can be exposed, you can be kind of aware and conscious, or you can bring uh, the real into your consciousness, yeah, as as like a yeah. neurotic subject. But then, yeah, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, but by dint of, so almost yeah, like by by experiencing this, the eco terrorist and his suicide and stuff, um, Toller has almost like a psychoanalytic like revelation yeah 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 yeah, so do you think at the beginning of the film he's more of a cynic and then he becomes like the well i just think it's interesting that i mean it seemed kind of purposeful yeah that it it starts with him starting this journal yeah yeah, it ends with him ending it and Mm -hmm. like closing the book yeah um so that's another thing that i wanted to talk about yeah by the way another just another quick aside is just like um, one thing that happens is that the eco-terrorist commits suicide yeah. and calls Toller and Toller goes to the forest to, to find him and actually he just blew his brains out and he's just like dropped mm-hmm. dead there. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things like that happens is that like he calls the cops, the cops come and actually one of the cops knew the guy that killed himself, yeah. father. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, you know, he says it runs in the blood. Mm-hmm. He, he was a very morbid guy, the father, mm-hmm. and it runs in the blood and... Uh, but he actually says, like, the father was a businessman. Mm-hmm. And this guy was an eco-terrorist. The yeah. father killed himself. Mm-hmm. But I think from an excess from an excess of cynicism. Yeah. And I think that the eco-terrorist sort of kills himself through the opposite, which yeah. is an excess of foolishness, I guess. Yeah. Or being duped. Yeah. You know? uh, but anyway, uh, another thing that I thought about... This is going to bring us back to the prodigal son. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, it, and um, I think another thing that I thought that was very interesting, mm-hmm. and you might like this, is that what happens at the end is that he decides to go back to a fiction. Mm-hmm. When he closes the book, mm-hmm. he's about to, he, you know, he puts on the, the explosive vest. Yeah. And um, he realizes, he sees the woman that he, I think he's falling in love mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can't do it anymore. So mm-hmm. he puts it away, but he. he punishes himself for that yeah. which is like true calvinistic yeah. passion which yeah. we should talk about yeah. but um but what happens is that like he closed he writes the last page and mm-hmm. he closes the book and then after that he's about to to kill himself he's gonna drink some yeah, poison some po- it's some, like the toilet cleaner or something or like uh the cleaner, unblocker yeah. Un- uh, the yeah. unclogger yeah, yeah. And uh, he sees that the girl, mm-hmm. the girl, the, the eco-terrorist um, wife or widow, mm-hmm. um, she comes in and looks at him. And mm-hmm. I think that's the moment where he actually, I'm not saying that I support like his eco-terrorist sort of like way. Yeah. But I think he goes back to the fiction. Yeah. He closes the book, which mm-hmm. is like the the language that has like mistakes included into mm-hmm. it. And um, he goes back to the fiction, yeah. which is being in love mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is something that sort of like brings you the ultimate sort of comfort and yeah. a sort of haven in which you can ignore sort mm-hmm. of like the macro sort of like chaotic nature mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the, the ecological threat or whatever yeah and i just thought it was really interesting for two reasons one her name is mary manzana mm-hmm. and in spanish yes. manzana means apple, apple. yeah and it's like so apple in the bible i think it it, it signifies or sort of like the fictional belief in some higher knowledge mm-hmm. that not even god has mm-hmm. like that's the that's the biggest like sort of farce of all is it's like you know you you can have this higher sort of knowledge which i think it's cynicism so he he actually goes back i think to being cynical in the end and and also you know her, you know it's just like her name is like mary as yeah. well mary Manzana, yeah. and like you know mary is like the ultimate sort of like mother figure or like returning to the womb yeah yeah yeah. and uh so yeah i just thought it was very kind of like tragic and uh, you know going back to the previous Mm. episode i think it is kind of like a tragic uh, greek tragedy where it's like he goes through this whole struggle Mm -hmm. this whole journey and in the end he he goes back to the fiction yeah goes back to do you know much about uh have we talked at all about the soviet philosopher uvald lienkov no. Yeah, it's interesting. We're working on like a... Um, I've of, heard Adam Curtis talk about him. Yeah. So we're working on like a like a 
kind of post-apocalyptic, well, like um, kind of a sci-fi post-apocalyptic film based on his ideas, but includes kind of like his actual life. And basically, his kind of argument is that humans are here to be accelerators of returning the world to like back basically to the Big Bang kind of thing. So like the ultimate suicide vest is what we're here for. Because yeah. like, I am actually really bad on the actual like details of the stuff and I'm still coming to terms with it myself in terms of like trying to structure this script around these ideas. And I don't want to like, obviously the big twist in it is the heart of the philosophy itself. So it would, like kind of ruin the whole like, premise of the film. Um, mm. But yeah, so we are the suicide vest. Yeah. And that almost like, so that life can begin again. Well, our, our, like our drive is a suicide vest. Well, yeah, I mean, so you have like the, the Lacanian death drive and stuff. But I guess the idea is that like life comes from like this kind of explosive thing. And so in order to like get life to start again, yeah. we've got to like explode I everything. Have, I shouldn't have... I shouldn't have used the word drive. Because yeah. It, yeah. It goes back to like that's right. But our yeah. will is mm-hmm. like self-destructive. And, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. hard baked into us. So yeah. So the idea of like, obviously, I mean, I guess his thing is like almost the moral thing is to explode everything almost. <laughs> um, in an accelerationist yeah. sense. So yeah. But, mm-hmm. but like, obviously I don't know like what is better to, be duped or not duped. Well, yeah. Yeah, I just think that, well, the way that the movie portrays it is like when you're duped mm-hmm. and you truly believe, you come off to the others. Because I think that being a cynic, mm-hmm. and I think that's it's it's a very sort of specific word that he that he chooses. It's like cynic is only the belief that you think that you know better or that you transcend the. Fiction. Well, this is this is the thing because I think actually, like in Lacanian terms, the duped is the neurotic. And the non-duped is the like psychotic. Yeah, that's right. But so, mm-hmm. so like the duped is the person who buys into like ideology, and the ideology, yeah. contemporary ideology, is actually cynicism. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Zizek, Zizek talks about this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just like if you want to really, if you want to really destroy something, yeah. believe in it fully. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, there's there's <laughs> yeah, a kind yeah, of like. Yeah. There's there's a kind of like accelerationist yeah. thing there, but I think that his point is just like when you want to find inconsistencies mm-hmm. and gaps in something, mm-hmm. like believe, believe in it, fully yeah, in yeah, it and you will find and you will break it. Yeah, you'll you'll you'll, you'll take the thing to its breaking point. Yeah. yeah, whereas the cynic is sort of like the lazy sort of approach, where it's like, uh, you know, I'm above it. I don't need to understand it. It's just wrong. Period. But mm-hmm. it's it's a sort of like if. If uh, if the fool has sort of like a like an allegiance to ideology, mm-hmm. the cynic is not to be considered outside of ideology, no. but rather having an allegiance to a different kind of ideology. I think I think no, the cynic is the ideal I, the ideological subject. Yeah, I mean, I think that they both are, but okay. eventually, I th- I think the cynic is just like I don't know. The cynic is just like. Um, you know, he thinks that he's without ideology. Yeah, yeah, but, but he actually is, He just yeah. prescribes to a different yeah. kind, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing is, like, you were mentioning, is just, like, the, the Calvinist sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it might be interesting to talk about this as well, okay. because, um, well, Paul Schrader, he, he, was, he was raised Catholic, and mm-hmm. I think he actually kind of studied to be, I don't know if to be a priest, but he studied at least Calvinism. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, actually, there's a different, there's a similar parallel I think he he might be obsessed with pornography because he did also hardcore, which is like the story of this of this Calvinist dad. Yeah, that yeah. His daughter gets kind of like corrupted, and she goes into she becomes part of like the underground sort of like uh, culture in Grand Rapids yeah. of, of pornography. Yeah. And um, he he you know he wants to rescue her, so he has to go through this whole journey through like the the underground of that, and it's mm-hmm. pretty. It's pretty horrible, but um, I think that there's 
there's an interesting sort of thing about Calvinism and Zizek has mentioned at some point that he thinks that Calvinism is like the truest form of Christianity mm-hmm. because there's a sort of injunction of predestination. Yeah. So you don't have will. Yeah. But at the same time, he, uh, the way that Zizek reads it is like, you, it's not that, it's not that you don't have a choice, but you choose to not have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah, choose yeah. to give up your your will or whatever, yeah. um, your freedom, and um, I don't know. I just think that that's interesting, and and possibly that's only a possibility through the fool, the position of the fool mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. believe, um, to 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 choose like to choose the Calvinist sort of position, which is like, you know, I I I choose to give up my freedom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it's interesting. I don't know that much about religious stuff, I have to say. <laughs> so uh, we should get Peter involved in the in the terminology type things. And I mean, it's funny. I mean, I guess um, obviously, kind of cultures are even in Europe, which is kind of less religious, has been less religious for you know a couple of generations. Certainly, there are places like. Uh, where my family's from in the north of Ireland that's very um it's got this kind of like protestant core to it in that kind of part and it has a very like weirdly kind of calvinistic element to it yeah. <laughs> like a very very um yeah i mean and obviously there's like major downsides and relative upsides potentially i don't know but well, certainly it's like, responsible I for a lot of suffering for a lot of people but yeah yeah, I think that maybe that's one of the other things that I, I maybe don't agree with Zizek mm-hmm. that much that he thinks that it's like the truth form because yeah. I think you get that either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, if you're, I think that that's just like because Calvinist is like a very very fundamentalist, like mm-hmm, very mm-hmm. strict yeah. type of like Christianity. So, but I think that if you're if you're duped, yeah, um, any type of Christianity will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll eventually. Well, well, maybe not if you're like a part of like Hillsong yeah. or some kind of like okay, you know, it's a completely cynical sort of institution. Let's talk about okay. This is let's talk about like Hillsong, etc., and like liberal, quote unquote liberal, um, liberal evan- Christianity, evangelical. Because like they really, that's like kind of clever. <laughs> it's like bringing the cynicism into. Do you know what I mean? It's like institutionalizing cynicism. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, I've actually talked to, I've talked to a lot of, a few people that prescribe to that kind of like religion and the way that they see it is just like, I, it's not something that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So is it like, that's, is it like kind of? No, no, like that's what they say. Like it does, it's not something that makes sense to me. Oh, I don't think right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's the way I don't it think is. through these things. Yeah. It's not, it's not an intellectual thing. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's interesting to me that like they, they sort of like bypass thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, or, that's, or that, that's, that is definitely like the cynic, cynical thing. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't see the kids in the mines. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just don't think yeah, about yeah. it too much and it's all right. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, we like well, the song sound like, good, yeah. so that's cool, you know. <laughs> the yeah. people dress nice. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. No, but, um, yeah, so those were my thoughts about the film. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the score as mm-hmm, well. I think mm-hmm. Lustmord, yeah. Lustmord did the, the score, which is like this like horrible ambient. I mean, great. He's, mm-hmm. He does it in a great way, but mm-hmm. it's very unsettling and do you know i really like the what do you ca- think about yeah i was just really i really like the magical realism the like the sudden eruption of like magical realism in this like otherwise mm. stark bleak horrific you know yeah. um cold where is it is it like what um northeast usa i think so, so yeah. yeah it looks like it um and then you know the scene where they're kind of having this like chaste enactment of like the love ritual it's kind of like fucking amazing. Wait, which one? The one that they just like lay on top, lay on of, each top other? of each other? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they don't. They don't. Uh, what is it like? They don't. Um, it's not sexual at all, right? I mean, it's the most sexual yeah, of all. I yeah, think, yeah. Because you can even like the, the sexual tension is like pretty clear. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then he's like floating over like geological phenomena. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think about this, like, that maybe fundamentalists, like, you know, the sex for fundamentalists might be, like, pretty great because it's denied? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally, like, okay, so obviously we probably talked about this a million times, but millennials don't have sex. Sex is everywhere. And so it is totally unsexy. Oh, yeah. Like, a naked body (laughs) is not, you know, it's like a half-hidden naked body. A half-hidden nakedness is sexy, but... You know, it's all about yeah. covering it. You know, there's also, you know, the idea of obviously like wrapping a present. Why do you wrap a present up for a child on their birthday or for Christmas? It's way, you know, it's all in the anticipation. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, did you have any other thoughts about the, about yeah, the film? I, just, I have to say, I mean, as I said, I watched it in a really weird way when I was like really tired. And then it kind of like erupts at the end in this kind of like first that kind of magic realism passage and then the, the the wrapping of the barbed wire after he takes off the um the suicide vest it's uh it affected you yeah 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 it's something like very ca- camu about the, the way it's shot and the way it's told as well it's kind of like starkness or maybe it's like very existential you know it is very yeah existential, it's yeah. very existential um what and do you think it- about these movies that have come out i think i can think about mother for example yeah. or the aronofsky one and or um What's the other one? Roma, but yeah, yeah. Um, that don't have any music because this one actually, I I look for the soundtrack because yeah. I really like Lost uh, yeah. Lord. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's like ten tracks on it or something. Yeah, and it's a lot of music, but I there's only about like maybe five minutes of music mm-hmm. in the whole film. What do you think about this this trend or whatever? Just like de embellishing mm-hmm. or disembellishing like film so that it's just about the dialogue and the acting. Yeah, I mean. I guess whatever. <laughs> I mean, I personally like music is my favorite part of film and my favorite part of mm-hmm. filmmaking. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a choice, you know. It's definitely a choice. But I have to say, you really like Rumor, didn't you? No. No. No, no. I, I like some parts of it, yeah. like some symbolic sort of things on yeah. it. But no, I, I, I didn't really like it. No, I like, I, you know, it's obviously amazingly short and like, but you know, I, I found it kind of like very unpleasant in terms of like the fundamental like point <laughs> do you know what i mean i thought it was yeah no very yeah, patronizing absolutely. yeah i thought it's kind of racist I, and <laughs> not to be like everything's racist but you know what i mean it was like yeah i think i told you about this but it's just like i had uh i knew i knew somebody that mm-hmm. they didn't tell me directly but i heard that they were telling some other people like mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like I was so touched by the movie, mm-hmm. the Roma, and like just like I'm so thankful for the service lady that mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. to to my house. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's a good guy and everything, mm-hmm. but uh, the way that he was talking about it is just like that. After he saw Roma, that they, they he uh, they have a lady that comes into their house and mm-hmm. helps them out, and that they hugged her and they were just like, "Oh my god! Thank you so much for your work. You don't know how much you mean to us and whatever." And I'm just like, that's like, it's like I think the, that maybe it's like the Zizek that, hippie that's parent. That's the wrong. Yeah, it's the it's the hippie parents. It's like don't you don't have to be warm. And to, also, it's to, like to, do to not them. replace maybe you know being quote unquote just, nice with actually like the position you are in. You know, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, you know, yeah. What about just raising the wage? Yeah, you know? exactly. Because like actually like yeah. like so Mexican cleaning mm. ladies actually get ripped off because yeah. they get paid so little. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So little. So yeah. it's just like, you know, covering over that with just affection, yeah. which I think is what the, what yeah. the film, the yeah. biggest mistake is. It's like, at the end, you get all of them hugging. Yeah. You know? And also it does have a very like orientalist. There's a sort of like, unity through yeah. affection. And there's a, like a real kind of, we can learn so much from the other and all this, you know, it's just not. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but actually going back, going back, no, I just, no. And going back to, um, <laughs> but this is the thing, I mean, like this is like films, obviously, and all works of art can be so incredibly moving, emotional, involving, artistically brilliant, but ideologically like not nice. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, it's also, have you ever seen a film and then you think that it's amazing and yeah. then you you hear the director or the screenplay yeah. writer or whatever just like talking about it and yeah. it completely ruins it yeah, for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I know. Because they misunderstand their own creation. Yeah. Well, or, you know, 
obviously like different things are done for different reasons and like obviously when Peter and I did Making Love like there's a philosophical reason to to it and we did like a whole commentary thing like it's got a clear philosophical point but like you could be ruining it for a lot of people because they might be reading something really different into it and the whole point of you know fiction or art is that it's up to the per well a perspective yeah. is there's like a death of the author and stuff so you are potentially like encroaching on that like pleasure that someone's getting from the text by being like la 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 you know <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know actually going back to First Reform though like it's interesting it being such an existential film and it being set in the church you know and people think that like obviously that kind of the traditional potentially notion of the, the church is like the opium opium of the people like escape Da, 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 way, main, means of like duping yourself and like uh, coping with the shitness of life, which is potentially things like Hillsong and stuff like that. But actually, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, really, yeah. Well, well, I think that you know, in true Christian fashion, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people just like miss miss the mark on that on that yeah. Marx thing of yeah. just like it's the opiate. First of all, a lot of people think that it says opiate for the people, mm-hmm. so that it's imposed on them, yeah, so yeah. it's like a means of control, but yeah. it's actually of the people. Yeah. And the way that he talks about it is just like, uh, it's a resource that people yeah. go to mm-hmm. because we live in sort of like a heartless world yeah, or a soulless yeah. world yeah. that doesn't, doesn't give much yeah. in, in terms of spirituality mm-hmm. um, or, you know, sort of like the inflection of like spirituality that people have. And... Yeah, it's just interesting that like people need a recourse that they need to be duped. Yeah. But at the same time, now under capitalism, Christianity has taken a completely different, different meaning than yeah. it did maybe when there was like you know the French Revolution. Yeah. Or, anyway, this is the uh, point. Whatever. I mean, like, that's and, a, and it's a commodity now. It's a yeah. it's, it's com- completely commodified belief. But yeah, like how the Calvinist, it's like it's not allowing for that kind of like vertical escape or like south, you know. It's like a confrontation yeah. with the real, in yeah, a way. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I yeah, think yeah. that like the wrapping in the barbed wire is like, you know, that is like the confrontation with the real, you know. Yeah, that's a unflinching, you know. But that, of course, like that's also can be like a means of escape in itself, like the whole Seneca type stoic thing as well you know it's not yeah i think that i think that we can close we can close with that but like what do you think about love when it comes in relation to fiction do you think that love is something that dissipates fiction or does it partake on it or is there different kinds of love yeah that's interesting yeah is it a fiction i okay i think it is or does it add to the fiction i think it's like potentially the opposite of like a fetish object mm-hmm. okay so like the fetish object like covers over you know like money it covers over the antagonism it covers over a contradiction yeah. whereas like when you love somebody you don't care if they like smell weird or have got like crooked teeth or like do weird things <laughs> yeah but you know, is that like, not a fiction because the smell is still there yeah that's true but like it's almost like Potentially, it's like an acceptance rather than a covering over. But then you're you're right. It could be like some kind of psychic covering over that allows you to deal with it. That's or maybe, true. Or maybe, yeah. Or maybe it's just like it's a fiction that is it's legitimate when it comes to like interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. But also, it encourages you to. It th- there might come a point where it starts to encourage you to start to legitimize or to accept things that shouldn't be accepted outside of the relationship, like. Well, I, more political things yeah okay oh I see what you mean so you like forgive yeah it's always interesting like I find when you see people in relationships and like one of them's like a conservative and one of them's like a real liberal and they like live together yeah <laughs> I don't know I just maybe it's because I like I don't like well who likes antagonism but I feel like maybe I'm not as able to like cover it over I don't know but um yeah I know I I sometimes so I sometimes think that like okay you can't love so psychoanalysis is something that like gets you to be able to love mm-hmm. it gets you to be able to work to love you know to so it's like being the idea of being happy i think like the vast majority of people obviously aren't happy and believe you know have the kind of like a belief that they're happy or pursuing happiness rather than just like being happy so i think like 
love is something that's like a result of yeah 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 i, I don't I know <laughs> a result of like <laughs> being able to stand i don't even know what i'm talking but you know what i mean it's like a maybe an emergent mm. like joy do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so joy is yeah. like it's enjoying your dissatisfaction yeah i just think yeah, yeah so love I is like the that problem mm-hmm. i think the only problem sometimes maybe would be that we you know love is such a freeing thing and it's mm-hmm. also very it can bring some kind of you know it can ruin your life or whatever yeah. but because of that sort of um traumatic element to it i think that maybe people want to replicate it and they mistakenly sort of like accept things that maybe shouldn't be accepted because mm-hmm. when it comes to like my relationships mm-hmm. with people and that are you know unconditional mm-hmm. um i'm not necessarily sure that like that unconditional sort of like acceptance needs to be applied to everything yeah yeah no, no, and the thing is though i think also that like if you love someone you can be honest with them and stuff um but yeah no yeah. but you do it is kind of like potentially yeah potentially it is a fiction as well but you know so for instance like the example of Camus and his mother like during the uh algerian war in like post world war ii uh that you know there was kind of like a colonial presence of france in algeria and kind of like a uprising against it and so Camus famously said i think it was in his like nobel prize acceptance speech if i had to choose between like fighting or whatever and my mother i choose my mother you know <laughs> so yeah it's potentially a uh, way of like in not engaging with in the world yeah and yeah. i think that's sort of like the very dark uh interpretation of the movie yeah yeah which yeah. is like not that not that it would have been a better choice for him to blow himself up mm-hmm. but at least you know doing something right about it and i think that ultimately he chooses sort of the distraction yeah and maybe that's not really the dark interpretation of it yeah but that you know even when you are completely aware of the real and mm-hmm. you want to do something about it mm-hmm. um you can't it doesn't like yeah. even the people that are sort of like the the caretakers of the earth yeah christian christians and he's just like and, and he says that at some point to the to the to the corporate pastors yeah like, we can make a difference we can be at the forefront of this like we can say something yeah but we don't and it's just like you know there's these sort of like uh systematic institutions mm-hmm. that don't allow for that fiction to be lifted yeah it's interesting i was gonna make a point about fundamentalists and <laughs> And like the psychotic structure and stuff, um, and yeah. we I, we went to the uh, Scientology museum the other day, the like psychiatry <laughs> science of death, and it was amazing. But they had a whole section about suicide bombers, <laughs> and yeah, oh, really? yeah, it was really fascinating. Science like from Scientology? Yeah. So obviously, like, so Scientology is very much against like the medicinization of mental health because they believe that you know, quote unquote, whatever disorders you have in mental health, you can overcome, you know, they're, they're thetans. So like you don't, you shouldn't take medicine, medication, you should get rid of the thetans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. like everything, there's an element of truth in everything. Like, for as a psychoanalysis <laughs> yeah. is very against like medication, but there are instances where medication is obviously necessary, but um, it was quite horrifying museum. I was like really scared. Uh, but yeah, they, they had a whole section about like school shooters and suicide bombs and stuff. Um, but yeah, That's interesting. Quite interesting. All right. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we should yeah, end it there. So those were, those were our thoughts about the movie. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Good. And um, we'll, we'll see you or hear you. Whatever, Speak talk to at you next you time. Next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bye. All right. <laughs>